and finding the rock I'm about to dismiss. Who's teaching it tonight? Bob. All right, Bob, come on. And all that are going through finding the rock, and it's a bunch. Head right back to the back and give them a hand, everybody. They're, they're all going through this, and it's a great, great class. You know, we, we uh, discovered that since July of 08, we've had 320 adults alone join the church. 320. And you see all these going, and, and God just keep, keeps on increasing us, but that's not including the children. If you included the children, that's right at around 500, oh, I don't know, 600, 500, 600 folks who have come into the church since July of 08. And so that's really something. God is putting together something strong, and I feel it in my innermost, innermost. So let's, uh, I want to begin a three-week series tonight, and the Lord really put this on me. You know, we need to understand our faith, don't we? We need to understand Christianity from the vantage point of the Word of God. And I want to talk to you for the next three weeks about how faith grows. Now, I'm not going to talk to you about how faith is strengthened. Because we know it's strengthened by hearing the Word of God. So your faith should grow tonight. But I'm going to talk to you about how it grows in stages. How your faith grows. So let me get this moving there. And it's not working, Laura. Uh, Jeff Kelly. Is it Jeff anywhere where he can get? There it is. All right. Let's read. The first seven verses of Hebrews 11 the faith chapter. Now, do I have charge? Do I have control? No, I do not have control. Get Jeff in here. We're going to sing another song. I got to have my little changer here. And this should be tested before the service, but you know what? That's okay. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, good to see you tonight. Ask them their last name and ask them what they do in life. We'll get it. We'll get it. Because I got a lot of clicking to do tonight. Go ahead, fellowship. Turn to somebody and tell them. Say, what do you do? Good to see you in church. <clears throat> Y'all are doing good. Keep talking. Keep talking. Get to know somebody. Cross the aisle. Do what the Democrats and Republicans can't do. Everybody give the Lord a hand. We got it now. Now let me test it. We're good. Everybody say amen. amen. I've got to have charge of the way these things go. If I have to wait on them, there's a big pause. Not that there's anything wrong with them back there, but they don't know when I'm going to do it. So let's read. We're going to talk about how faith grows in stages. This is the, the, the faith chapter, so let's read it together, can we? Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Isn't that powerful? It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. 
By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. Say, sorry, Mr. Darwin, because that right there says, by faith, we know that the universe was formed at God's command. All right. Now, let's read on. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. The seen came from the unseen. It was by faith. And here's what I want to focus on now. Let's look at three men that it's about to mention. It was by faith first that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering uh, gave evidence that he was a righteous man. And God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead. He still speaks to us by his example of faith. Now the second person. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He's the first raptured man. He disappeared. (laughs) And so are you. Now this is powerful because look what it says about it. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, He was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe two things, that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now the last man, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who had warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Help us to see how faith grows in stages, how our faith grows. And I thank you, Lord, for ever-increasing faith in this congregation. Strong faith, vital faith, healthy faith. God-glorifying faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say with me, Lord, increase my faith? Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Let me, let me just go through uh, some of this now. This is going to be a powerful series the next three weeks, how your faith grows in stages. And I'm going to focus on these three men, Abel, Enoch, and Noah. And I've got the notes up here because I want you to be able to see it and take notes if you want to. Uh, you know, I know that we put our, our passages, our Bible passages up on the screen, but you ought to bring your Bible to church. And don't ever be ashamed of your Bible. Carry your Bible out in public. I know you get some weird stares, but how many of you can say, hey, there's lots out there that you can stare at weird now. There's a lot of weird things out there that are stare-worthy. So if you're carrying your Bible, go ahead and let them stare, let them talk. But um, we're going to learn how faith grows And we're going to look at the lives of Abel, Enoch, and Noah. So take notes. Always bring a pen. Bring some paper and bring a Bible. If you look closely, you'll notice that God does not always list the names chronologically or in order. If you read Hebrews 11, the names are not always in chronological order as they lived or as they happened. Jacob is mentioned before his mother, Sarah. But we know who came first, right? Y'all do know that, right? Okay. Sarah came before Jacob, but Jacob was mentioned first. The walls of Jericho are mentioned before Rahab, but Rahab preceded the walls coming down. Gideon is mentioned before Barak, and David is mentioned before Samuel, but Samuel came before David. 
God doesn't always mention them in chronological order. Now, I think there's a reason for this. The Bible doesn't make mistakes. The Holy Spirit made zero mistakes when the Bible was inspired and penned. I want you to know that. There's not a mistake in the original manuscripts, not one. Holy Spirit wrote it perfectly, moving on men who were carried along by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about that some night soon. What does it mean the Bible is literally true? How was it uh, uh, dispensed through people without error? But it was. Now, the different names testify to an aspect of faith that builds as time goes on. Now, let me give you, for instance, Abel, who is mentioned first, represents faith's worship because he brought an acceptable offering to God. So can you say with me, faith's worship? Now, that's what Abel personified, what he really exemplified. But then we come to Enoch, and Enoch represents faith's walk. The Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not. He first walked with God, and then God took him. He disappeared, and so it will be with the church. So, with Abel, faith's worship. With Enoch, faith's walk. Then you come to Noah. Noah represents faith's witness. We're told in 2 Peter 2, verse 5, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Now, I take my hat off to Noah because in over 100 years of building that ark, he didn't have one conversion. I don't know about you, but if I got 10 years behind me, 15 and 20, and there's not one conversion, I'm questioning my call to preach. But he kept doing it. He preached, according to Peter, he was a preacher of righteousness for over a century. And no one believed him until the rain began to fall. Wow. And so we have a pattern here of the growth of Bible faith in these three men, able for faith's worship. And that's where you begin and I begin and where our faith begins, in our worship. Enoch, for faith, walk. Your walk follows your worship. You will not walk with God until you have first come to God on God's terms. And then Noah, for faith, witness. How many of you know you're not going to witness for the Lord unless you've got to walk with the Lord? And you're not going to have a walk with Him until you have first come to Him and worshiped Him on His terms. So these are, these stages are chronological. They do build one upon another. You begin with your worship, which leads to your walk, and your walk leads to your witness. Now these are the signposts, uh, the pattern for how our faith grows. And the Bible indicates that this is the order in which our faith will grow. One follows the next. That's why worship is so important and you can't worship him unless, and we're going to see tonight, unless you come to him on his terms, not on your terms. You won't be a good witness without first walking with God, as did Enoch. And you won't walk with God very well until you learn what it means to worship him, as did Abel. So the order is, let's read them together, can we? Worship, walk, witness. That's the way we grow. Now, put another way. We must first be obedient to Him, then walk with Him, finally to witness for Him. That's the way it goes. Worship reveals a life that is surrendered to God. 
If you're surrendered to God, you can worship Him. If you're not surrendered to God, I don't care who you are, you cannot worship a God you're not surrendered to. Walking reveals a life controlled by God. And witnessing reveals a life testifying for God. This is so important. Now, you know why I'm teaching this? Because our nation is desperately in need of people who are worshiping God on His terms, walking with Him in obedience to His Word, and testifying for Him, I mean out loud and aggressively and boldly without shame. We want Christians who are worshiping, walking, and witnessing. We don't want any silent witnesses. We don't want phony Christians. We don't want religion. We want the real thing. Amen? And I believe that God is going to bless the socks off with persecutions of any church and any people that will worship Him in spirit and in truth, will walk with Him in obedience to His Word, and boldly witness to His reality to this generation. Amen. Now, we got to look first tonight at Abel and the manifestation of face worship. Let's see what happened with Abel. It says in Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. Let's uh, read this. Later, she gave birth to his brother. Now, it's talking about Eve. This is the first family. Way back in the ancient garden. Later, Eve gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. I don't know how that happened. That says ground for those of you that can't see it. I hope the rest is better. Okay. Those of you listening by radio, we're looking at a readout, and ground was in teeny print, like size 8 font. All right. When it was time for the harvest, look what happened. Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Now, look what Cain did. He presented to God some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Sounds good, right? Sounds logical. Sounds wholesome. But Abel also brought a gift. But look at the difference here. Abel brought the best of the firstborn lambs from his flock. Now, what does it say happened when Abel did this? Read it with me. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. Very important. Accepted his worship. But look what happened to Cain. He did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry. King James says wroth made him very wroth or angry, and he looked dejected. And you know the rest of the story. God said to him, hey, why, why the sorrow, uh, 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 sad countenance? Why the angry countenance? And God had a talk with him. But here's the bottom line. God accepted Abel's, but God did not accept Cain's. They both came to him. They both offered something to him. But God rejected one of them and accepted the other. Now, here we've got two brothers with two different offerings. One rejected, the other accepted. The two offerings, and this is what matters now, why did God do this? The two offerings represent the two different ways the brothers chose to approach God. Two different ways. Now, let's look at the differences because, you know, I kind of feel sorry for Cain when I read about this. I I feel bad that God didn't accept his offering, but God is God. And what we're about to see, folks, is you've got to come to him on his terms. 
And that's what we're going to learn about our God tonight. Cain did it his way. Look what it says. Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground. He did it his way. Cain's offering sprang from his decision to approach God in his own way. And here's, here's the catch on his own terms. I know there's a God up there. And I know he wants an offering. And so I'm going to give him, Cain said to himself, my best idea, my own way. I'm going to approach him the way I want to. I'm going to do it my way. Cain was like the original Frank Sinatra. I'm going to do it my way. And did God have a problem with that? Oh, yeah. The fact that it was rejected by God flies in the face of today's conventional wisdom and today's political correctness. I hate political correctness like I hate the plague. I despise political correctness. It's destroying our world, destroying our country. It's already destroyed Europe. And if we don't start preaching the word as it is to men as they are, we're going to lose this country. So conventional wisdom, which in our day is political correctness gone amok, it doesn't matter how you come to God as long as your intentions are right. Oh, Cain meant well. Cain meant well. Why would God be so mean to poor Cain? He meant well. He had a good heart. No, he did not. He had a heart of rebellion and disobedience against the living God. And we're going to see that in just a moment. God flatly did not accept Cain's offering because it was rebellion against his clearly revealed method of coming to him through a blood sacrifice. Did you know that God began teaching the very first family after they had sinned that there was no getting right with God and no doing away with sin except by a blood sacrifice? God showed them this. When Adam tried to use fig leaves to cover himself, which was actually his attempt to cover his sin, God rejected it and brought to Adam the skin of an animal that he had slain. You know what he was saying to him? Adam, your way of covering your sin is not going to work. It's going to have to be on my terms. And here's my terms, Adam. Now, he's teaching the first man in the Garden of Eden after the fall that you do not get right with God on your own terms. It's not going to work. There's a million kinds of fig leaves out there, a million different religions. You can take yoga classes. You can take meditation classes. You can hug a tree. You can come to God with all kinds of good intentions, but none of it does it. None of it makes God say you are righteous. There's only one way to get right with God, and that is the blood sacrifice of His only begotten Son. That's the message here. God was, God was starting with the original first family when they were confronted with the tragedy of a cosmic catastrophe called the fall. The fall was a cosmic catastrophe. It hurled the universe into pain and agony, and it brought every single human being afterward under the curse of sin. The tears the bloodshed, the heartache, 
incomprehensible through the ages because of their fall. So faced with this fall and the tragedy of their fall, God comes up to the first family and says, here's my terms. It's going to be a blood sacrifice. I have slain an animal. The first animal that was ever slain in the Bible to cover sin, God God killed it. God killed it and covered Adam with that skin. And so God began to teach them and teach them. And all through the Old Testament, God is pointing to the reality of needing a blood sacrifice all the way up to the New Testament and the cross when the Son of God hung on that tree and his blood spilled down that tree. When that took place, that was the ultimate confirmation and affirmation of everything God had taught his people through the centuries. It would have to be a blood sacrifice and the ultimate sacrifice would be Messiah. So God was saying it's going to take a blood sacrifice to cover your sin and to approach me. This, of course, was the first echo of the need of a Messiah, the sacrificed lamb. Here's the principle. Real faith begins when you approach God in God's way. I want to say to our culture, I wish I could talk to the whole country. I would tell our culture, all your good works are as filthy rags to God. You're not going to get right with God with your own personal fig leaves. You're not going to get right through any other religion, any other religious leader. You're not going to get saved through Muhammad. You're not going to get saved through Buddha. You're not going to get saved through Krishna. You're not going to get saved through Zoroaster. You're not going to get saved through any religious figure. There's only one way, and it's the man, Christ Jesus. It's the man. He's the only one that stood there and allowed himself to be crucified to that tree. And he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. And there's not another name given among men whereby you must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. You can't get saved. You know why? Because no one else died for your sin, and no one else ever said they did. So real faith begins when you approach God on his terms, in God's way. Anything else is rebellion manifesting in our attempt to achieve righteousness by our own good works. Any other way. It's just rebellion. It's rebellion against God. Well, I just don't believe that. Well, you don't have to believe it. It's still going to be true. Give me a man, give me two men standing on the top of a tall skyscraper. One believes that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. The other one is an atheist. They both jump. They both go splat, but one goes to heaven and one doesn't. Put two other kinds of people on the building. One believes in gravity and the other one doesn't. I don't believe in gravity. They both jump. Doesn't matter whether the one that didn't believe it didn't believe it. He's still going to go splat. We are talking about spiritual reality here. God did not provide any other way to get your sins forgiven. There's not another way. There's not another person. There's not another method. There's not another route, not another road, not another direction. And that's what he's teaching right here. That's what he's teaching. Cain's way is the way of our current culture. As long as you mean well, have good intentions, that's all that matters. You just got to mean well. No. 
Hell is going to be full of well-intentioned people who rejected God's way. Well, pastor, you're being pretty strong here tonight. Jesus was strong. I'm just quoting the man out of the book. He that believes in me has everlasting life. He that does not believe in me has not everlasting life, and the wrath of God abides on him. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. I'm only being as strong as he was. My Jesus was no spineless first century hippie. My Jesus made a cat of nine tails and walked into the temple and whipped those boys out of there who were defiling the temple. And not one of them stood up to him. You didn't want to meet my Jesus when he wasn't happy with you. Well, I don't know if I like your Jesus. See, here's our problem. We've created the Jesus we want instead of embracing the Jesus who is. That's what we've done. The Jesus who really is, is a Lord of love, but he's also a Lord of holiness. He's a Lord of love. He's the Lamb of God, but he's also the Lion of Judah. He offers grace now, but he offers judgment later. You better come in while the coming is good. Now, Cain's way is the way of our current culture. That's the way our culture thinks. If you mean well, that's all that matters to God. Cain's way is the stubborn self-will. It is to demand your own way while rejecting God's clearly revealed will. Cain's way is the way of pride, arrogance, rebellion, and destruction. Our culture has decided we don't want God and we don't want his Christ. We've kicked him out of the public square. The first lawsuit heading up to this Christmas, uh, I think, has happened in Kentucky, where a man who uh, has displayed a nativity scene in a public area for 63 years, him and his family, now one person complained and they have been sued and they've been ordered to take it down. They're trying to take every vestige and every picture and every memory and every symbol of our Messiah and our God out of the public square. Well, here's what God says. You turn me out, I will turn you out. You turn me out and I'll turn you over. I'll turn you over to your own devices and your own sins and let you go your own way and I will lift my hand off of you. And that's what's happening in our culture right now. Now, there's one hope, and I'm looking at that hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Now, God's response to our generation is clear. Here's God's response. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You're not coming to the Father, said Jesus, but through me. Is that what he said? Yeah. Well, he didn't really mean that. Oh, he meant exactly that. John three thirty six. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. I already quoted this one. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life. The wrath of God is currently and ongoingly abiding on that person who rejects Christ. But Abel's offering now, to get on a more positive note, was accepted. Why? Because Abel did it. God's way. Faith begins when we lay aside our way, our own good works, and we bow to his way. You know, I remember many, many years ago, I was a hippie. I was really a hippie. Long hair down here, parted down the middle, wire rim glasses, skinny as a rail, wore those bell-bottom blue jeans, pullover t-shirts. 
Everything was groovy, far out, out of sight, and all that crazy, sickening verbiage. And when I got saved, it was only after God pursued me and pursued me, backed me into a corner. And you know what? I've told you before. I've testified to you. I've confessed to you. I tried meditation. I tried Buddhism. I read uh, a lot of the, uh, the uh, philosophers, the German philosophers, European philosophers, the Greek philosophers, read a lot of them looking for some kind of an answer. And I got to the point where I would go out in the woods to, to try to tune in to the universal rhythm of nature. And, you know, the Aum, all this stuff. I've told you I went out there one day determined I was going to tune in because, you know, that's what Buddhism is always going for, nirvana, where you lose all your own feelings and you become dead to yourself and you tune in to the universal heartbeat of nature. So I'm out there in a lotus position doing Aum and thinking and meditating, and I didn't know I was in an ant bed. And I mean, I got woke up. And I, I realized I have not reached nirvana because I feel this very well. And God just let me know, this is stupid. Stupid. <laughs> I know you're having a hard time picturing me do that, but I really did do it. Oh, you know. And then I said, Jesus, you come into my heart. And it was like somebody plugged my finger into a socket. And the Holy Spirit just came upon me. And what I have been wanting and looking for in my own broken way, God just poured out on me. The Holy Spirit. That's what the druggies are looking for, the Holy Spirit. That's what the boozers are looking for, the Holy Spirit. That's what all these people dabbling in different philosophies and occults and religions are looking for. They're looking to be joined to their maker. And it happens by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so once I got the real thing, I became a complete sold-out fanatic. And I'm getting worse in my older years, I really think. I'm getting worse. I'm a little bit mellower in some ways, but in other ways, I mean, I want to make every day count for God. Every single day that He gives me, I want to make it count for God. But faith begins, real faith begins when you do it God's way. Faith is launched when we submit gladly to His requirements. Laying aside what we think and say... And we turn to him and do what Jesus did. He said, not my will, but thine be done. Thine be done. And when you do that, you have just stepped into worship. Faith's worship. Abel wasn't just sacrificing an animal. He was laying down his rebellious self-life on the altar and submitting to God. He said, I know what you want. You taught dad. You taught my dad. You taught my mom. I know what you want. You want a blood sacrifice. This is faith's worship. Faith is activated in the seedbed of obedience to God's way. And it begins with how you approach God, which is worship. We cannot worship God in a way of our own choosing. Listen to Jesus. The time is coming. Indeed, it is here now, right now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him 
that way. God's on the hunt. God's looking. His eye is moving to and fro throughout the whole earth to find those who will worship him in spirit and in the truth. The truth Jesus is talking about is obedience to him. It's to approach God God's way. What is God's way? Well, unless we approach him based on his clearly revealed will, we're not true worshipers. We're like Cain. We're coming to him on our own terms. His way is there's the cross and there's my son. Do you see him hanging on that tree? He did that for you. See that blood? Your healing's in that blood. Your fulfillment's in that blood. My destiny is wrapped up in you putting your faith in that blood, in that person, on the tree, the Lord Jesus. And when you say, okay, Lord, forgive me, I come to Christ Jesus, you have just stepped into faith's worship. Faith's worship. There isn't any other way. So Hebrews lays out the pattern for how faith grows. It begins by coming to God in God's way. Cain walked away with murder in his heart. Angry at God and angry at life. Let me tell you, as we close, about you and me. If you walk away from God, there is nothing evil you won't do. Well, we're basically good, aren't we? Well, we can do some good things, but basically, no. Basically, our hearts are in rebellion against God. So look what happened to Cain when he refused God's way. Murder entered his heart. There wasn't anything he wouldn't do. He killed his own, he killed the first worshiper. He killed, Abel was the first martyr who died for righteousness. First one. I was talking to a man today who's teaching. By by the way, Pastor Kennedy, uh, the president of Church on the Rock International, started our Revelation series tonight. And, boy, am I waiting to call him. I want to know how many turned out for that because I know he's going to have a crowd. But I was talking to another pastor today who's also teaching this series. And I said to him, I wish I'd thought of it when I was teaching it, about the tribulation saints who are under the altar and they're crying out for God's vengeance and retribution for those that killed them. I thought, you know, the very first martyr was Abel. He came to God in God's way. And the first one to reject God's way is the one that murdered him. And so there began the pattern that has been the same throughout the ages. Those who reject God's way become the persecutors of those who receive God's way. And that's the way it is right now. And so Cain became a murderer. Abel came away with peace, but he was murdered. So it was and always has been and always will be. True worshipers are hated by those that reject God's way. Abel has shown us faith's worship. How many of you want to be a worshiper of the Lord? Let me tell you, the moment you come to him his way, you have taken an act of worship. Can we stand together? Next time, we're going to look at Enoch, who exemplifies faith's walk. And boy, it's a good one because, hey, he got raptured. How many of you believe that soon and very soon, 
God was giving us a picture with Enoch. He disappeared because God took him. Father, we just thank you tonight that we have entered into faith's worship by coming to you your way on your terms. And that opened the door for us, Lord, to worship in spirit and in truth. And so, Lord, we thank you for this incredible opportunity, this blessing that you have given to us, that the blood opened that door. The blood and only the blood made the way for us to come boldly to the throne of grace, for us to boldly worship God in spirit and in truth, and for the anointing of your spirit to touch us as we do so, that we would receive the joy of the Lord and the peace of God in the worship of God because we've come to you on your terms. Can you just lift your hands to him now, church, and just thank him? I love you, Lord. Sing it. And I lift my voice. And I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul. Oh, my soul, rejoice, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear, let it be a sweet, sweet sweet sound in your ear. I want us to sing it one more time. Let's just take advantage of that incredible opportunity to worship God. I love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Worship Him. And I lived my give him a hand of praise one more time. I want to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Thank you, Lord. Praise your name, Lord. Clap unto God. Clap your hands, all you people. 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, the Lord is good. Amen. How many of you needed this tonight? We've got faith's worship. All right.